Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His words so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You know, when, when we fail, we get angry with ourselves. I know this because I feel like you. We can't believe we allow the flesh to do that. Sometimes it just absolutely does what? It just drain the hope right out of us. And Satan's over there going, go ahead, put the key in, just go ahead, try it. Click, click, click. But we can go down to the spiritual Walmart and have a new battery put in. Praise God. Have you been running too long on E in hopes you've got enough in the tank to make it through one more day? It's the kind of hectic living that Satan likes most. Now is the time he can really push you over the limit, causing you to finally run out of gas and ruin your testimony again. Let's be real. When we grasp the reality of the hope Christ offers, we'll have an unlimited supply of fuel and be able to consistently do life right. Stop causing this unnecessary wear and tear on your engine. Apply for God's spiritual gas card today. There's guaranteed approval, no fees, and a reward plan that never expires. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark beginning in the book of 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, with our continuing study entitled, Hope, Living for the Future. That's an issue. You say, well, why do you care who's here? I care. I'm a shepherd. The elders care. That's why we have service coordinators helping us now in our services, because the elders can spend more time looking and praying with you and being around you. We care for you here. You, You see, God chose you specially. Now you say, well, I'm not a Christian tonight. Did God choose me? When we give the altar call, accept him, he chose you. Continue to reject it till the day you die? Maybe he didn't choose you. Well, that's not fair. Then just choose him tonight. And the problem's over with. Amen? Let's read on. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will last. That has nothing to do with heaven. It has to do with here, right now, today. So you've been chosen by God to produce fruit. You want to know what fruit is? We have a whole series on the fruit. You can get the tapes. Then the Father, look at this next promise. The Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Now you'll hear on TV that that means you can ask for anything. No, that only means you can ask for that which is God's will for your life. See, if I'm attached to the vine, I would never ask for something on my own. I always ask for something that the gardener knows is good for me. So understand that principle. So let me ask you as a Christian tonight, it's kind of an attitude check. Do you have hope tonight as a Christian? For right now, for the day you're living in, then let's live like it. 
show it to your face, hang out afterward, talk with meet somebody new tonight. Say, this thing is exciting, serving God. Start hanging with people. That's what it's all about. Future is coming. It's full of hope, but there's hope for right now, today. Check your attitude. Is it positive? Is it full on for God? Number three, turn to 1 John 1, 9. You know it, but turn to it anyway. Point number three, there is hope after failure. I don't even know why I'm in bringing it up. We never fail, so. I call that new hope. New hope. There's hope after failure. Let me give you a list as you're turning to 1 John 1, 9. Let me give you a list of some Bible characters, and I want you to tell me after I've given you that list what they have in common. You ready? Here we go. Adam and Eve, Abraham, Moses, Samson, Jacob, David, Jonah, Peter, Paul, Thomas. What do they have in common? They all what? They all failed. I was with my wife, my beautiful wife. She's home now, so I have to talk about her a little differently. Not that I talked about her negatively last week, but just that she didn't get the tape yet, so I'm still alive. <laughs> we were having lunch yesterday, and uh, she drove her car because I, I met her at the place we were having lunch. And I went out after lunch. We both got in our cars, and I turned the click. <laughs> Batteries totally dead. Drained. You see, the battery in my car was like a lot of people after failure. There's a very, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just a very difficult word. When I say this word tonight, hopeless, whew, that's a really a negative word, hopeless. You see, it's a depressing word. And Satan is out to drain us, just like my battery, just to drain us of our hope. And where he loves to do that is after failure. One of the great things you ought to do this week for homework, I listed those people. Take one or two of them and go through and see their failure, see what happened after their failure. You see, all of these people had great failures, but they were all given another chance by God to have new hope. 1 John 1, 9 says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Do you know who that verse is written to? Raise your hand. Raise your other hand. It's written to us. It's written to Christians. It's for a Christian. Well, why would that be for a Christian? Because God knew we would what? Fail. Christian, think of the last time you failed. You know when, when we fail? We get angry with ourselves. I know this because I feel like you. We can't believe we allow the flesh to do that. Sometimes it just absolutely does what? It just drained the hope right out of us. And Satan's over there going, go ahead, put the key in. Just go ahead, try it. Click, click, click. But we can go down to the spiritual Walmart <laughs> and have a new battery put in. Praise God. Huh? And that's one of the things we're doing here tonight. You just drive on in. The gal knew me. She said, all change. I said, no new battery. About an hour, bop, there it is. I walk in the waiting room. Here's somebody from church. I spend the next 25 minutes talking to him from church. Praise God. Cost me 43 bucks or whatever, but God wanted me to talk to the person there. Cheap time. Huh? God knows, doesn't he? 
See, you're here tonight. Some of you, your battery is drained. We call that depression. Discouragement. Some of you have that black cloud. It's hanging over you. You failed. You're living among it. And the enemy says to you, forget it. There's no hope here. You might make it to heaven, but you're not going to enjoy life. I want to tell you tonight that Satan is a liar. We can have new hope. 1 Peter 2.25 says this, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Do you know who wrote that verse? His name is Peter. Did Peter ever fail? Let's start counting. <laughs> Look what he writes. But now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. What does that mean? The overseer of your soul. You remember when Peter failed? Three times? And then from that courtroom, after that old rooster crowed, he caught the overseer's eyes looking at him. It drained every bit of hope from him. But later, by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to give you new hope. Let's start again. I want to challenge you tonight if you failed. The overseer, the great shepherd, wants to give you a new start tonight. You say, Pastor Mark, you don't know how much I failed. It doesn't matter. He's here to give us a new start tonight. Psalm says it like this. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. The hope of forgiveness and a new start. That's what you need tonight. It's a new start, new hope will carry us through life struggles and failures and disappointments. So new hope just means this. Take your eye off the problem. As 1 John 1, 9 says, you ask him to forgive you. If you're serious, he will, and you'll start again. Now, you probably have to deal with the consequences. It doesn't go like this, and the consequences go away. But God's grace comes back into our life, and he fixes that old battery that's been drained. And we got a new charge. It's not just for two years. It's forever because the overseer, the shepherd, cares for our lives. Next, the last one. There is hope for the future. There is hope for the future. Turn with me to Proverbs 10, 28. At one time or another, we have seen a mirage. We've either been driving or walking on the road and we kind of look ahead and we see this water up there. If we're walking, we kind of wonder how we're going to get around it. If we're driving, we're thinking, man, I'm going to splash through this water. And when you get closer and closer, we discover that the, that's a mirage and there is no water. Nothing was there. Well, interesting, Solomon speaks about a spiritual mirage. Proverbs 10.28, he says this, The prospect of the righteous is joy. But the hopes of the wicked come to nothing, zero, 
Nada. Nothing. I want to read you an article. Listen to this article. The hopes of the wicked come to nothing. It would be extremely naive to imagine that terrorists who are willing to blow themselves up in Israel or to crash a plane at the loss of their own and many other lives do so for some commendable humanitarian cause. No, this courage comes solely from a unique doctrine of Islam, Abu Bakr, the first person to succeed Muhammad, declared that even if he had one foot in paradise, he could not trust Allah to let him in. Now that's nice assurance, isn't it? Listen. The only sure way in uh, Islam of achieving paradise is to sacrifice one's life, you know it, in a jihad, a holy war. Yes, as we've heard on the radio and television, suicide is forbidden as self-murder. But to sacrifice one's life, killing infidels, which the Quran speaks about as Christians and Jews, carries with it the highest reward and the guarantee of heaven. What does it guarantee? What reward does paradise bring to a jihad martyr? He, and notice there's nothing about women. You ladies ought to be very glad you're not Muslim. Zero rights. He has promised a palace of pearls in which there are 70 mansions. In each house, a bed on which there are 70 sheets. And on each sheet, a beautiful virgin. He is assured that he will have the appetite and strength for a hundred men for food and sex. There are some understandings of this that after the virgin, after this individual has sex with the virgin, she becomes a virgin again. He is assured that this fantastic dream is given to feed the Muslim boys from their earliest childhood. This motivation alone gives the reckless courage and determination to train and execute terrorist deeds in which they sacrifice their lives in bringing death and destruction to the enemies of Allah, guaranteeing them a place in paradise with the promises that I've just read. The hopes of the wicked, this verse says, come to what? Nothing. How shocking, and in a way it's a little humorous, but not really, How shocking these individuals discovered the hopes of the wicked come to nothing, as they are tonight in hell, in torment forever. Why? Because their hope was based on human hope. It was based on man's False thinking, not on the truth of God. Look at the other part of this verse. The prospect of the righteous is what? It's joy. And for those who are born again, there's joy. See, hope fuels us. 
It drives us. It gives us energy to work hard, to go to school, to make life useful. It, it, it's good to make plans for a future. But guys, God's promises, the Word, always brings biblical hope. As Christians, we have a living hope for today. It's wonderful. But we have the guarantee of living together with God forever. Our hope is based on one thing. Let me read it to you. You know the verses. John 14 says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Our hope, our guarantee of heaven is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a secure hope. It is absolutely the blessed hope. As a Christian, my hope for the future is based on God's promise that He is coming back for me, whether by death or by the rapture. The outcome is the same. We are going to be with the Lord in heaven. I'm going to get a new resurrected body. There is surely a future hope for you. And your hope will not be cut off. Why? Because it's not based on the false Quran. It is not based on a cult. It is based on the true word of God that always remains and always will. God can not lie. Jesus Christ is the first and last word when it comes to hope. Now I want you to turn to one verse, you know it, but I want you to turn to John 14, just for a moment. Verse 6. I want you to understand the danger that's ahead for us. Notice what I said. Jesus Christ is the first and last word when it comes to hope. John 14, 6 says this, Jesus speaking. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the only way, you know it, but I'm going to talk to you about it in a moment. The only way to be a Christian, the only way to have future hope, the only way to have hope now is to believe in God and to get to God, you must accept His Son, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. Now let me speak to you. Where is the danger today? Here's the danger. We are headed toward a one world government but also a one-world religion. Now, it's wonderful in all these funerals and ceremonies that we have. I don't have a problem with the other clerics or whatever up there. That's perfectly fine. But I want you to see the danger of what's taking place. We can have a Muslim. We can have a Jew. You can add a cult or two. You can have a new age, as we're seeing some people now. And you can have Billy Graham, the only one that spoke truth that was eternal truth, was Billy Graham. It's not because he's Billy Graham, it's because of this. Now, we're going to begin to experience being persecuted because we're born-again Christians. Why? Because of the verse you just read. There is no salvation in anyone else than Jesus Christ. You can't get to God any other way. Now, God said it, we believe it, that's what the world is based on. The world that we know today will shortly not stand for that. Be ready for it. 
In our services, we're going to continue, as we always have, promoting Jesus Christ. He is the way. He, he is not a way. He is the only way. Now, if you want to debate that tonight, you get the case for Christ. You want to debate that tonight, and you want to say, well, I'm going to go another way. I read you a verse that the hope of the wicked is gone when you die. There will be no hope for you. You say, well, that's a pretty mean thing to say. No, that's a very loving thing to say because it's God's truth. So just be ready. We don't have to be radical. We don't have to talk against the other guys. What All I'm saying to you is, as you see it, you're going to see more and more of this ecumenical jazz. That just means that we can just all blend together. We can blend together. We can give blood together. I'm for all of that. But when it comes down to get to heaven, there's only one way, and that's Jesus Christ. Now, some of you here, where is your hope based? Is it human hope or biblical hope? Do you have a personal relationship with Christ? You see, if you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, then the only hope you have is for this earth. It's the good life, prosperity, power, good friends, good health, wonderful things. But one day, you'll die. All your hopes will be gone. You will have refused the only chance of getting to heaven. And that's through Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you tonight. Some of you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You need to repent. Christian, listen to me first. I want you, before you do anything else, you think about a friend, a co-worker, classmate, a neighbor, who maybe did I give up hope on, that doesn't know Jesus Christ. And I want you to pray for them before you even even begin praying for yourself. You begin praying for them tonight. And you just continue praying for them. Second is to ask God to look at our heart. Some of you came in tonight with no hope. You failed. First John 1.9 is for you. You lost your temper. Do you realize what influence we have by saying that we're Christians? We need to back it up. So this is a time for you to look at your own life and go, God, am I living when I should be living? all the time? Or am I really, man, am I, am I blowing it? Am I ruining my witness? You know, you can ruin your witness at Walmart or any store just by mouthing off, getting angry. And I mean, we can lose it all. Get a nice t-shirt on and we've blown it. That's the time for forgiveness. The world's looking for somebody that's real. Not perfect, just real. Some of you here aren't Christians. You have no hope outside of Jesus Christ. You heard Jesus say this, it's time for you to repent, be sorry for your sins, ask forgiveness, ask Him into your heart, and begin having hope in this world. Now I said before, repentance means a real change. You're really serious about a new start in your life. You need hope tonight. If you don't have Jesus Christ, man, I don't know what you're doing in this world, because there is no hope outside of Him. Pastor Mark's done a great job teaching the difference between human and biblical hope. And here's a recap of his four key points. First of all, and probably most important, there's hope for everyone, even a lost cause, so don't give up. There's hope for today, make it count. There's hope after failure, God is the God of second chances. And finally, there's hope for the future, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness that pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. That's a pretty comprehensive list, and one we'll take an in-depth look at on our next edition of Lessons for Living. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Proverbs. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Let us hear your lessons.